And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has the spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and the spirit saw him immediately. It convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood, and it has often cast him into the fire and into water, it destroyed him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing them terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And then he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Demons Satan and Sheol. The darkness will be exposed. On Into the Abyss. Man, that's a crazy story, though. That is. Like, like, there's a few things here. So this is right after they come down from the Mountain of Transfiguration. A lot of people think, oh, it's probably Mount Tamor or whatever. They're like Mount Tabor or something. But one of those two mountains. It was like, a, it, they thought it was this different mountain or whatever. But I'm going to make the case that it's actually Mount Hermon. And what's really interesting is that the place they were at, they were right by Caesarea Philippi, which is like a town that's, a, that's very close to the base of Mount Hermon. And it says that they went up a very tall mountain. Now, the mountain that everyone says that the Mount of Transfiguration was is a very small mountain, like 750 feet tall. Like, that's not that, that's not that tall of a mountain. And it's actually no, it a bit further away from the city. But then Mount Hermon is like 1,500 something feet tall. And it's a lot closer to the city. And right, right when they get done, they come straight down. And this happens. So what's really interesting is that right here, they're like, why can't we cast it out? And Jesus says to them, he's like, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This kind. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, that's what you mean, yeah. It, it, Jesus is talking about, like, this is another kind. Uh, that's why we picked this story to start with, because, I mean, that's like Jesus right there saying th- this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Which implies, kinds. yeah, it implies that there are different kinds. Exactly. Do you have any thoughts about it, this passage? I don't know. I just think it's a great passage because it just shows the faith. Like, if you believe, anything is possible. It's told that throughout the Bible, and it is shown in this passage. Yeah, and... What's really interesting is what the spirit does to the boy when it sees Jesus. 
it convulses the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. That's kind of yeah. I mean, that's pretty bad. And that's just right after he, see, he sees Jesus. But then he says that he's been happening to him since childhood and it often casts him into fire and water to kill him. That's like, that's, see, that's pretty bad. See, like that uh, is. last episode we were talking about, you know, what are the limits of the demon's power? But like this demon was straight up trying to kill this kid. Yeah, that he trying to drown him, trying to burn him alive. That's like not that's like scary right there. That is. So that's that's crazy. And then when it comes out of him, it, they, he he like looks like he's dead. He's like that crazy. Um, yeah, that's just that's also a scary passage to show yeah. like but demons can do that. Yeah. And the importance of Mount Hermon right here is that that's the mountain that the fallen angels came down on to have children with humans. According to Enoch, which I, I take as probably probably factual, at least that part, which is really interesting because, I mean, you know, the Greek gods always came from the mountain, Mount, Mount Olympus, you know, and all these yeah. things. They are, they're always connected with mountains and stuff. So I think it's, it's really interesting. But what's really interesting is that if the demons or some of the demons are like spirits of dead giants, then it's really interesting that there's like a super powerful one at the base of Mount Hermon where the giants would have began is what I'm thinking. That is interesting. See what I'm saying? I just, yeah. I think it's very an interesting idea there. Yeah. So any other thoughts before we move on to the next thing? Not really. Okay, cool. All right. So the next thing kind of we're going to talk about is what kinds of the Bible actually talk about. So we're going to go through like the, like some, there's certain entities and there's groups of entities. So we have Satan who is the prince of demons, but he's not a demon. He's a fallen angel. Separate things there. Just because you're the prince of something doesn't mean you're all those people or all those things. Like a shepherd is not a sheep. This you know, is true. This it's is a true. human, but he has a bunch of sheeps under him that he he protects. You know? Yeah. See, would you see what I mean? Yeah. So just because you're the prince of demons doesn't mean you're a demon because shepherds aren't sheep. It's a good right. analogy. That was a good analogy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so the king of the abyss is a bad inner Apollyon. Really interesting stuff. We talked about it. In the one about Sheol, I think. We did. Uh, we yeah, have we did. some of the sons of God. So I'll give you a few examples. Genesis Genesis 6 mainly talks about, well, it also mentions them in Job. And multiple times in Job, you know, God talked about the foundations of the earth being laid. And it says, like, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth, when all the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? And then I've heard some people, they're like, oh, well, the sons of God, you know, they have to be. They're always believers. And it's like, no like stop like there's no believers at the foundation of the earth being laid like what like what yeah anyway and if it's used like that and the other passages then we have to assume you can't just be like oh well this one it's not it's it's, this one is not angels you know it's like that's not no that's not how you it's not how you do hermeneutics okay and then another place that they're mentioned is deuteronomy 32 I've heard a lot of little rebuttals to this, but it says, When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Now, what's really interesting is that the Dead Sea Scrolls are the ones that say the sons of God. Okay? The Septuagint says the angels of God. I, like, okay, the, you can't get more clear than that. But then the Masoretic text over here, one of the newer translations, it's not as old as these other ones that we found, right? It's mm-hmm. a newer, but some of our Bibles are off of it. So you got to like be careful about which Bibles you're reading because of the translation. You know, some of them have like from newer translations or older. So anyway, but 
what it says is the sons of Israel, but it's like a newer text, the Masoretic text. It's very, it's a lot newer than the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which has the sons of God and then the, which I don't know their age compared to the Masoretic text with the Septuagint, but the Septuagint, the Greek version, usually has a lot of stuff really, really good. And it says the angels of God. So I just wanted to clarify there. Anyway, so some of the fallen angels are quote unquote, or, or used to be the sons of God, but you know, they're called that. Anyway, so we have the Shadim. Okay, we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later. We have the Teraphim. We'll talk about that a little later too. The powers of the heavens, the powers of the air, the elemental spirits, the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, and spiritual forces of evil. The princes, the spirits of the Raphaim, the Oberim, the Matim, the spirits. Okay, that's that's a little list for you. Okay, but there's some like there's a lot to go. There's a lot of stuff going on there. You know what I'm saying? We got a lot of content for this episode. Yeah, there's a cover. lot of content that we're gonna be diving into right there. So yeah, that's a quick list. Is there anything? Does that kind of surprise you though that that many different things are mentioned in the Bible? It does. It and does. This isn't even angels. Like angels are a totally different topic with a bunch of other ones that we can talk about. Foreshadowing of foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Yeah, but the crazy amount. Like it's just. I know, right? This is that's kind of crazy. And we can't get stuck thinking there's only angels and demons because the the spiritual realm is a lot more, what's it called? It's a, it's a lot more varietous. There's a yes. lot more variety than just two things and then God. Like, no, that's not what the It's Bible not just black and white. It's, it's not, not just, just black, black and white. There's a lot of stuff going on in between. The like, As in, like, there's a lot more on the good side and a lot more on the bad side that we don't talk about all the time. You know? Yeah. So any other thoughts before we move on? Nope, I say we jump straight into the next one. All right. All right, straight into the elemental spirits. This is a very interesting one. Okay, um, we're going to, I'll get into some of these crazy verses. We'll just kind of talk, talk about it, discuss what in the world this is going to be talking about. So Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Again, that's Colossians 2.8. So it sounds like it's connecting the elemental spirits talking about it's like philosophy, empty deceit, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Right. And it seems like it's false philosophies based on human traditions that these elemental spirits are like using to deceive people. The next one we have is Colossians 2, 20 through 22. It says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. Which is really interesting. It's kind of talking about the old covenant stuff, I think. It sounds like it. That's what it sounds like, because like that's what their rules were. But Colossians, so Paul is over here saying, like, why are you still listen to all that stuff? You you died to the elemental spirits of the world. It sounds like the elemental spirits teach false religious practices. Yeah. Really, really interesting. We've got some Galatians. Okay. Galatians says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's Galatians 4 through through 5. And that is talking about the elementary. It sounds like the elemental spirits enslave people through religion. It does. Okay. It says, but now that you have come back to know God or rather 
to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Galatians 4, 9. So yeah, I think they're definitely, it's elemental makes me kind of think of, you know, out to the last airbender, you know, fire, earth, water, air. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Do you think it, it's, do you think they could be connected to, well, I mean, they're called the elemental spirits. I mean, yeah. The, uh, the Greek here is stoichia or stoichia or stoichia. One of those, that's what the Greek word is, the stoichia of the world. It's really interesting because elementary spirits, I mean, they could be just connected to elements and stuff too. Like like what I was saying, like, you know, fire, earth, water, air. But I mean, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised because I mean, that's what their name says. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Those, I mean, you kind of said it. Yeah. They're related to elements because, I mean, their name is Element of Spirits. Yeah. And it seems They're like they have a lot sense. to do with false religions, you know? That is true. Well, I think also what's talk, kind of talking about with false religion is not really science, but the natural of the world. They can get, you know, everything is natural, so no, nothing supernatural. So then they have a natural way of thinking of everything. And then they don't believe in anything that they don't see. So they don't believe in God and all that. Yeah, I, that actually, I agree with that totally. I think that, I think science, like secular science is a religion in and of itself. Like yeah. only only believing the science and nothing else. Materialism. Yeah, I think they definitely would be connected to that kind of thing too. So really, really interesting stuff. Another one that's really interesting is the teraphim. Now, the teraphim were household gods. Now, we'll get into kind of what that means. But Genesis 31, 19 says, Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods. Okay, that's really interesting. Second Kings 23, 24 says, Moreover, Josiah put away the mediums and the necromancers and the household gods and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah. And in Jerusalem, that he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book that Hilkiah, the priest, found in the house of the Lord. So, household gods and the idols, different things. So, household gods are not idols. First Samuel nineteen thirteen says the teraphim were served. Oh, sorry, it says Michael took it. Oh, so, this is okay. I'll, before I read this verse, I'll give a little background. So, this is David, and he's with his wife Michael, and or Mike Michael or something. M I C H A L Michael, and so he needs to escape Saul. And so what he what she does is she takes an image, one of these household gods, the teraphim, and laid it on the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair as its head to like look like hair, and it covered it with clothes. So she kind of like used one of the teraphim to like kind of it looked like a human. So it, she like it's like a statue, right? And yeah. So she like made it look like it was David in the bed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, Really interesting. The teraphim were also served by priests with an ephod and a shrine. Judges 17.5 says, uh, And the old man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod in the household gods and ordained one of his sons who became his priest. So there's a few more, but uh, what are you thinking so far? Not too much. I think it's, you know, it's another type of demon. It is interesting that it's called like a house or an idol, like what's well, called a house. Kind of you know, yeah, household god. Yeah, don't have really too many comments on it, but yeah. It's really interesting, though. Uh, it is. Like, it is. It seems like they're connected to certain families or household households, like you know, just like in their name, obviously. But they also seem to be connected to divination and idolatry, which is really interesting. First uh, so Samuel fifteen twenty three says, 
For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. First Samuel 15, 23. Anyway, so it's connecting that kind of stuff to divination, iniquity. I'd see it's connecting, you know, that kind of stuff to idolatry. It also says that for the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the way at the head of the two ways to use divination. And then it says he shakes the arrows. He consults the teraphim. He looks at the liver. Ezekiel 21, 21. Although looking at the liver thing was like an old Roman practice where they'd cut open the animal, look at its liver and somehow tell the future from that. I was that's like, when the world that's is that? weird. <laughs> but like, I mean, it, the Bible talks about it right here. The looking at the liver thing with the, I mean, that's like what they did. It's like kind of weird. I don't know. That is kind of weird. I don't know how that worked, in my opinion. Like, I have no idea how that worked. What in the world are they doing? I mean, like? back in the day, though, they had to try to find something. I mean, they didn't have technology. Yeah. I mean, I even heard of a way what they do is they would, like, try to figure out the will of the gods by they would, like, look up in the sky, make a square with their hands or whatever, and then see, oh, how many, what are the bird patterns that are flying through my hand right now? Like, as in, like, they would put it up to the sky and see if there was any birds flying through, like, where they, like, the little square that their hands made, and see that, the like, whatever formations the birds were making, and they would, like, tell the future by that. Um, Again, that's kind of weird. Like, what are you doing, dog? Like, what is that? What Imagine is seeing that? someone doing that in today's world. <laughs> you just walk him down the street, right? You just look over. You see this dude like, oh, bro, look at these birds. They're dictating my future. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that's not okay. Well, maybe don't do that. I don't know. Yeah, don't maybe do that. Be doing- well, you shouldn't because that's divination. You should just don't do that. Zachariah over here. Check this out. 10 to. For the household gods utter nonsense, and the dividers see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty consolation. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. Ooh. Ooh. So what it's saying here is that they are liars. They deceive. They tell tons of lies. All the diviners and stuff, they see lies and they see false dreams and stuff because of these bad boys. I feel like that's a common theme with yeah, demons. Yeah, exactly. They're all bad. <laughs> They're all bad. Well, also with and like the deceiving, they lie. Deceiving. Like, so it seems like the different ones deceive in different ways. Yeah, but they all do deceive. They all do deceive. Yes. It's it's very very interesting. It is. I, all right. Let's. Because if you think about it, real yeah. quick, if you think about it, God is the truth. The Bible is the truth. So they have to deceive people so they don't know the truth by deceiving. Right. So they, that's what they have to do. The only way they can win over people is to lie and deceive from the truth. So, I mean, just to add on to that. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree with you there. From there, we are going to go on to the gods of the nations. Whoop, 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 whoop. Got to specify little G gods over here. Okay. Little no, G. Little G, little G. I know we're doing this in the quote-unquote demons episode, but they're not demons we're kind of like lumping all of the fallen beings into the quote-unquote demons episodes but they're not all demons but like you know they're like fallen spiritual being things they're bad people they're bad bad things okay now i know a lot of people like are going to disagree with me here but deuteronomy 32 which talks a lot about it what it's mainly about is god's relationship to israel and how israel has rebelled from him all like throughout time okay and humanity Okay, as a few little winks at Jesus in there, but that's it. Okay, in in the story when it's talking about all these different things, okay, it starts talking about Deuteronomy thirty two, or 
or it's in Deuteronomy 32, it starts talking about the Tower of Babel as it's going through the rebellion. It's like talking about how man has rebelled against God. Okay. So it says, I already read it before, but I'll read it one more time. It says, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the wars of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Now the Septuagint, the Greek version, very old, very fire. What it says is, I don't want to hear any arguments from those people out there. It says, when the Most High divided the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the nations according to the number of the angels of God. Mike, just Boom. walk away. Just walk away. Just <laughs> don't even argue with me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, anyway, so there's a few other little passages where this is used. There's now there's there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord or Yahweh, and Satan also came among them. Okay, so sons of God. Then it says the also Shadim to these territorial spirits. So it's another name for the Elohim. Pretty sure. The Elohim who ruled the nations, like the sons of God, sorry. The sons of God who, you know, ruled the nations, their territorial spirits. Deuteronomy 32, 17 says, They sacrificed to demons, Shadim, that were no gods, to gods, Elohim, they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. Now, a lot of people, so in the actual English, I'll read the English version. This is, They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. Isn't that kind of weird? The way that's worded that in English, it's like, what are you talking about? It says they sacrificed to demons, but it says that were no gods. And then it says two gods they had never known. You're like, what? And then it says two new gods that come recently. You're like, what is? What, am I, you <laughs> what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? But then the Hebrew, the Hebrew says they sacrificed to Shadim that were no gods. And then it says to Elohim that they had never known. Different, different. Anyway, different words here. So it's yes. not as kind of it's not as like what is happening. It's like oh well that makes more sense. It's talking about some different things here. Okay, Psalm eighty two two through four is God judging the sons of God over the nations for being unjust in their rule. I'm gonna read the whole Psalm eighty two. So this is the ESV. This whole thing talking about he's talking to these angels, but then at the very end it's a, a plea for man. So it's all right. Here we go. I'll start. All right, ready? Yep. So it says, God has taken his place in the divine council. But that's interesting. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. That's really interesting. Okay. Very. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? This is God talking to these gods or little g gods, the divine council, whatever. Okay. It says, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And then it says, they are they have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness, all the foundations of the earth are shaken. Then it says, I said, you are God's sons of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. All right. This is a very interesting psalm. Like, crazy interesting psalm. What do you think about that? Before I get into it a little bit. Not only two, I mean, it's a very packed psalm, as he said. Yeah, yeah. But like right off the back once you start reading the divine council i mean that's already a whole episode on its own to yeah, talk exactly. about and yeah it's just a packed verse i don't really have too many comments on it but this is in the midst of the gods who hold judgment you're like what do you mean by that what do you mean by that and you're like what and and then it says uh, and then it starts talking about how they're judging unjustly and stuff and then and people are always getting uncomfortable they're like why are you calling them gods there's only one god yeah i agree 
Yahweh is the only God. But he does say to these dudes, he's like, you are God's little G, or you are Elohim, plural, sons of the most high, all of you. So God says it too. Like, okay, look, by God, by little G gods, we don't, it's not, they're not omniscient. They're not all powerful. They're not any of those things. But yeah. in the in the ancient times, they would have used that word and they would have they would have said Elohim and they would have used it as plural when they were talking about the gods. Or but if they used it as singular, Elohim, capital E, they would have been talking about God, like like our God, right? Yeah, Yahweh, the God of gods, you know, the one who created it all. Okay. Anyway, yeah, just to specify, obviously we're talking about angelic beings that were created. Obviously, they're not all powerful or all knowing or anything, but God does say, You are gods, sons of the most high, you are Elohim. So, just saying, if someone has a problem with me saying that, read Psalm 82, God says it too. Anyway, when and then what's really interesting at the very end it says, For you shall inherit all the nations. Again, calling back to like this thing where they're over nations. But then when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he freed all the nations and he inherited them all. You know, here's the good part what are the goat demons? Yeah. Very interesting topic. Yeah, extremely interesting. Okay, Leviticus 17.7, guys. Leviticus 17.7. Now, this is going to blow your mind holes, guys. All right. Leviticus 17.7 says, So they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons after whom they whore. This is, shall be a statute forever for them throughout their generations. Ooh. Ooh. And what's really interesting, I just, goat demons. What? <laughs> I have so many questions. Okay, here's what's really interesting, is that that word right there is Sair or Serim. Okay, this gets kind of crazy. All right. So the same word, guess what, guess what, guess what, is used for satyrs. Okay, 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 okay. So uh, Isaiah 13, 21 says, but wild animals will lie down there, and their houses will be full of howling creatures. Their ostriches will dwell, and their wild goats will dance. That word is sire, the same word as goat demons. I mean, I've never seen a wild goat dance. So first of <laughs> all, that English translation is lacking. What are you doing, ESV? Come on, come on, come on. It's not wild goats, bro. Talking about satyrs. Because the Hebrew, same word, goat demons, you know. Anyway. And what's even crazier is that the same word is translated in the Septuagint, coming in clutch, as satyrs. Again, so Isaiah 34, 11 says, And for a long time birds and hedgehogs and ibises and ravens shall dwell in it, and the measuring line of desolation shall be cast over it, and satyrs shall dwell in it. Isaiah 34, 11. That is the Septuagint version, the Greek version. Okay, so... Yes, that kind of blows a lot of people's minds, I know. Uh, My mind is blown right now. That's what I'm saying. The Bible talks about goat demons. Like, yeah. What? what? Just I got I had to like get this in here because we obviously we talked about it a little bit before. We talked a little bit before in our trailer thing and I wanted to get into it a little bit before, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like come on. No one can ever say that the Bible is boring. No one can ever no. say that. Yeah. Any thoughts about that? I mean, come on, that's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. I'm still baffled by that first verse you read, how they are sacri- no longer will sacrifice to goat demons. Dude, that's a straight up verse. I know. And like, that's a straight up verse. What are they doing? Like, what? How do you? 
How did you see that? What? How did you? I don't know. Like, what? What do you I mean? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even know goat demons, dude. What? What's a stupid goat demon? I have no clue. It's it's probably some kind of satyr thing, but like, what? And then Isaiah uses them as a punishment. He says, like, after these cities will be destroyed by God, you know, as as punishments because they're horrible cities, you know. Mm-hmm. He's like, and satyrs shall dwell there, and it's like that's a bad thing. So. I think they're very related because they have the same word and stuff. But anyway, really interesting stuff. I just thought of something. Yeah. So goat demons, as we've been hearing, are very evil, evil creatures. And I was thinking, God is well, Jesus is represented as a lamb. And a lion. What? And a lion. But what is the opposite of a lamb? A goat. I don't know. What is it? A goat. Mm. I, I don't really know if it's the exact opposite, but I'm just kind of saying it's a goat. So, I mean... Could a goat demon, like when they're worshiping a goat demon, could they also be technically worshiping uh, Satan? Could that be kind of like think, I think if their they worship anything of it? other than God, like those demons and stuff, I think it points to Satan. I think that's why they worship. Oh God. yeah, because like if you're not worshiping God, then who are you serving? Satan. True. And if, if I'm if saying like not serving, yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a hundred percent, like they know the figure of Satan and they're worshiping the figure, like they're worshiping Satan. And what's really interesting is that. You know, the Satanists and the... We got into a little bit on the Goatman Part 2 episode, I think, but... Uh, not not episode, but the Monsters Explored. If you want to go check that out. I know those aren't as high quality as these, but they're still kind of fire. We're just getting started figuring out how to do this kind of stuff. So, if you want to, They do still have some really good information, so you know, go check that out on YouTube only. But, 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 but... And they do... They serve this thing called the Baphomet, which we're not going to show pictures because it's really demonic. And if you even don't look this up, but if you look up a Baphomet, right, you get all these pictures of like goats with like pentagrams behind them, all these really creepy things that we don't want to, we don't want to get into there. But goats are always like kind of demonic. Yeah. Just wanted to kind of get that in there. Anyway, any other thoughts before we move on? Not really. I agree with you. All right. Especially goats are demonic. Let's just say that. That's kind of creepy. Yeah, I mean, like they have square pupils. Like, what are you doing? Like rectangle pupils. Like stop, stop that. Never looking at a goat the same way. <laughs> it's like mm. creepy. <laughs> Just like don't do that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we'll mention a few more. We'll plug these in for the, the uh, hybrids episode. We got desert demons, the howling creatures, the sirens. We're just talking about vampires later. I know that's kind of crazy, but just kind of crazy. Werewolves. Hold on. We'll talk about it later. And that kind of stuff. So, obviously, we have Bible stuff here. But you don't, you know, don't get crazy. Don't get crazy about it. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's demonic. It's another demonic thing. So, make sure to stay tuned when we talk about this. The do- the darkness is darker than we think, is all I'll say. Yes. I just, yeah. Anyway, there's a lot more dark things that the darkness does that they want to keep in darkness. If you know what I mean. <laughs> that was kind of deep. That was like a full-on <laughs> riddle right there. That was a riddle right there. Everyone's going to be trying to solve it. (laughs) What does that mean? They're like, what what is this nonsense? (laughs) Decipher. Decipher what he's talking about. Okay. Hopefully you guys don't have to decipher most of the stuff we talk about. We try to keep it very straightforward. We use a ton of Bible verses just to support us. But, you know, we try to keep it very straightforward, not like super crazy, you know? Yeah. I mean, we make it a little unhinged sometimes, like slightly unhinged, like one hinge off. But like, there's still always the hinge of the Bible. We're not gonna un- we, we, we don't go past the Bible. The ba- the Bible is what we talk about, you know. So yeah. All right. So we are going to talk about rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, and spiritual forces of evil. So the Bible doesn't actually talk a ton about these, but 
talks a bit and mentions them and usually if it mentions them obviously it's like what what are you talking about there you know what i mean yeah so for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or domains or rulers or authorities all right right there right there those are some angelic like level things like don't know exactly i mean that's like archangels and then well that doesn't it doesn't say archangels in there but we know archangels from other things we have archangels we have messengers and there's like rulers authorities powers and that kind of stuff and then ephesians 6 12 finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might put on the full armor of god that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against here we go the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, I've heard some people twist this and they're like, oh, the rulers and authorities, you know. But it literally says wrestle against, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So obviously this is spiritual stuff, right? Yeah. Anyway, so. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. Obviously. It was stating fact, and that's the fact. Fact. Okay. Factual fact. Factual facts. Okay. Well, we're going to go run, do a little speed run. Check this out. The Oberim. Check this out. says, here we go, here we go, here we go. On that day, I will give to Gog a place for burial in Israel. The valley of the travelers east of the sea. It will block the travelers for there. Gog and all his multitude will be buried. It will be called the Valley of Hemon Gog. Ezekiel thirty nine eleven. So there's something mentioned in this passage that refers to the Oberim. It's in the, the Hebrew, it means those who have passed over. Which is probably talking about, you know, his multitude that would be obviously is connected to giants somehow because of Gog. Pretty sure he's kind of gianty. I don't know exactly. They're really, you know, really interesting. The Metim, some demons of the spirits of the dead are the Metim, and says, and when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should not should they inquire of the dead or Metim on behalf of the living? Isaiah eight nineteen. So we got that. We have. Check this out. We're going to do a little speed run here. The spirits. Now, this sounds a little crazy. So, 1 John 4 3 says, In every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you had heard was coming and now is in the world already. Luke 13 11 says, And there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. That's kind of crazy. 2 Timothy 1.7 says there's a spirit of fear. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. There's a spirit of savory. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Romans 8.15. There's a spirit of divination. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were there met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners such much gain by fortune-telling. Acts 16.16. There's a spirit of prostitution. My people inquire of a piece of wood, and their walking staff gives them oracles. For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray, and they have left their God to play the whore. Hosea 4.12. Very strong. Uh, Very. There's, yeah, there's a spirit of uncleanliness. And on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will cut off the names of the idols of, from the land, so that they shall be remembered no more. And also I will remove from the land the prophets and the spirit of uncleanliness. Zechariah 13.2. There's like three more. There's the spirit of the world. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. 1 Corinthians 2.12. There is the spirit of stupor. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. Romans 11.8. There is also the spirit of air. We are from God 
Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God li- does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. First John 4, 6. A lot of verses. Speed run right there. Anyway, any, any thoughts about that? Really just kind of going back to what we said about the world as a very natural view. A lot of people just have a natural view. So while I was kind of thinking when I was talking about, you know, the spirit where the woman had, you know, a crippling spirit. I don't know if it was actually crippling, but like where she was bent over, like hunched over and stuff like that. And I think that like a lot of the time, you know, if we have anything like that in the modern world, you're like, oh, take these medicines. Oh, do this treatment and you'll eventually feel better. Like back then, they didn't really have that. So all they could really do is, especially if you're a religious person, all you could is like pray and trust in God. And so, I mean, really a lot of things that we see today could just be a spirit, like we a disabling know, yeah. spirit. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. I wanted to mention Lilith real quick, and then we'll talk about the princes. We'll give some further evidence about the angels or quote-unquote liturgy gods over the different nations. And then we will conclude by talking about how Jesus conquered them, and then we will see you guys later, but we'll get to that in a second. All right. Lilith in Jewish mythology and thought was – it was kind of wacky what they thought. Obviously, it's not true. They thought that Lilith was the second wife of Adam – who was like a she was like a demon thing and she was also like the she like was like the wife of satan too or something really weird like not true at all like obviously completely false like no like that's not true obviously right yeah the bible says it was it was obviously jewish mythology which isn't the bible obviously not mythology but obviously it was like it was a little wacky it was like that's not true okay but okay the Bible does mention something about Lilith, and it talks about her as like a night demon. She's like a she's like a a girl demon, quote unquote. I'll kind of get into what I think why that how in the world that works because all these fallen angels and angels are guys. They're all male, from what we know. They appear as male and all that stuff, right? But yeah, this one seems to be girl, quote unquote. But I'll get into why we think that. So anyway, Isaiah thirty four fourteen says, and wild animals shall meet with hy- hyenas. The wild goat shall cry to his fail. Actually, that means satyr. That's the satyr. It says there the night bird, and then and then in Hebrew it says Lilith settles and finds for herself a resting place. The Lilith is also the terror of the night. You will not fear the terror of the night. Or in um, Hebrew, Lilith, nor the arrow that flies by day. Psalm 91.5. Lilith was a well-known Mesopotamian demon goddess of the time. So, well, the reason, the only way that she could be a girl. Here's my here's my theory. Check this out. Giants. Hold on. Demons are giants. Hold on. Right? Yeah. Now, if you wanted to sustain a group of entities, like while they're alive, giants. Obviously, they were alive before they died mm-hmm. i mean that's the most yeah. thing i've ever said but yeah you know what i mean <laughs> but well they would have had girls how else would they have kept reproducing obviously this they eventually true. intermarried with humans when they weren't as huge but for a while you'd have some girl giants in there too you didn't always have a guy giant now if you kill a girl giant the same thing obviously would happen but it, I, it probably was a lot less than the guy giants because that seems like the majority there's all these stories about the succubus and the incubus and all this. These girl like these very Lilith like demons. They always have to do kind of sexual dream stuff. It's kind of crazy actually, but very creepy too. They always have to do with that kind of thing. So just wanted to throw that out there. I think that she was probably a girl giant. If the or that her I mean like those things, the incubus, the succubus, and the Lilith things, 
you know, they're kind of, they're demons. Obviously they use dreams and stuff to like, that happens modern day sometimes too. So anyway, I don't know any thoughts about that. The Bible does mention it. I was like, I mean, just saying. Yeah. So um, if the Bible mentions something. It's obviously true. Obviously. So can't argue with it. it. Obviously. Right. Go ahead. Not really too many thoughts that you haven't said. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's some crazy stuff there, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to have our grand finale. We're going to talk about the princes really quick. All right. The last one of the last scripture verses we're going to pull out here is Daniel 10, boys. Daniel 10. And Daniel 10 is extremely interesting. Now, the angel, right, shows up to Daniel and he has a message. So what he says is he's like, so he's like, I was going to come give you this message. Okay. He says the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me for I was there with the Kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days for the vision is for days yet to come now. Okay. Did you catch anything weird right there? So this is an angel talking. Okay. Okay, Broski says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Then he says, okay, that's like, what? Then he says, but Michael, he's an archangel, one of the chief princes, same word, the prince, princes, came to help me. This is an angel, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is going to happen to your people in the latter days. Okay, what? Do you see anything weird there? I mean, a good bit of it is like confusing, I would say. Okay, so the, the angel. I mean, yeah. Says the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood yeah. him. No human's going to withstand an angel. He's not going to be like, no no human's like, angel, you can't come in here. Dog, you can't, you can't. <laughs> 21 days. But then Michael, who's an archangel, one of the chief princes is what it says. Just like the prince of the kingdom of Persia. One of the chief princes who's an angel. Obviously an angel. This is angelic stuff, you know? Yeah. He says, and he says he came there and helped them, and then he was able to come tell the message. Daniel is in Persia right now, so this angel was not allowed into Persia for 21 days by this kingdom, this prince of the kingdom of Persia, an angel over Persia, and then Michael, one of the chief princes, one of the you know, archangels, showed up, and he was like, "Yo, stinking, get out!" And so, you know, this guy shows up and gets to tell him the message. So, I just think that's extremely interesting. That is. That is. Right. And then he ends the conversation. You know, they talk about some good stuff. Yeah. But he says, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. You know, the same angel we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. The prince of Greece. Hold on. The prince of Greece. Wait. Think about it. Think about it. All right. Right after, like soon after this kind of stuff happens, Greece takes over Persia and Persia is no more. Greece is there. The prince of the Greece, the prince of Greece will come. Okay, same language as these other angel stuff that they're talking about. The prince of Greece. Come on, come on, come on, man. Look. So what's really interesting is that you know Greece takes over Persia right after this kind of thing. So it seems like whatever happens in the angel world seems to affect the human world. Like, anyway, really interesting. Very. Finally. We have just conquered all of these entities. Okay. Okay. Matthew twenty eight eighteen says and he's 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 leaving. So he is he's ascending. Yeah, after he was with them for a while. He's missing yeah. out. So he says 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Also, that's epic. Okay, <laughs> That is an epic verse. <laughs> that's epic. But he says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Okay, give in. So, so it's like a, like a present tense kind of thing. Been given. Well, actually, it's past, but it's like recent past. It's like, has been yeah. given to me, and he just came back. So it's like rose from the dead kind of stuff, you know. Anyway, it's all very connected to that. But it's also really interesting. So you know how Isaiah, or not Isaiah, Israel was not allowed to like come to in- intermingle with the other countries and stuff, all that stuff, right? Yeah. It's because they had like, you know, these gods over them, these little G gods, these angels, and it was their territory. And Israel was, you know, God's nation. It talks about that in Deuteronomy 32, you know, for the Lord, but the Lord's portion is, is Jacob. But what it says is, or something like that. Oh, what, what, no, that was a, that's a different, I think that's a psalm, actually. Anyway, that it wouldn't make sense for that to be in Deuteronomy. That's a psalm, actually. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm, I'm bad at this. <laughs> but he says right here to go to the nations after all authority on earth and, and heaven has been given to him, which seems like there's a change there. From like yeah. before and after, obviously with the old covenant and the new covenant, but also this. Really, really interesting. So seems like he him dying and coming back to life disarmed the spiritual supernatural forces and allowed the the uh, apostles and us now to go to the other nations and preach to them without getting, you know, a, mauled by a fallen angel because it's their territory. There's a, there's another verse, you know, all like the principalities and powers and stuff were put under his feet. All that stuff. I'm not exactly sure where that verse is. I don't remember the stinking scripture reference there. But yeah, so Jesus conquered them all through his death. There's nothing to fear from them. They can't do much to us. I think, well, like we said in the first one, I think they can, you know, you know, just try to deceive us uh, and all that kind of stuff. But again, there's not much, there's nothing to fear because Jesus conquered them all. Um, yes, and I sir. Just think it's really interesting that he says that kind of stuff after he came back from the dead, you know, with the nations and all that stuff. So, which I think we'll get into this in like an angel episode or something, but Revelation 12, I think, is talking about Jesus' ascension, his birth and ascension, which is really interesting because that's about the quote unquote fall of the angels. And I think it's really interesting right there because, like, it in the context of the chapter or like the beginning of the chapter before is talking about Jesus' birth and his ascension through constellations. Anyway, that's a little foreshadowing there. We'll talk about that later and get into depth about that. Anyway, just wanted to leave with that encouragement that Jesus conquered all of them. So, yeah. Got nothing to fear. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys found this enjoyable, informational, extravagant, extraordinary, interesting, intriguing, inclusive, um, exquisite, cuisine, a meal of thought, Per question, per chance. Anyway. <laughs> and if you did like this video, please consider li- like leaving a like and subscribing if you want more content. Exactly. And if you guys are on our streaming services, make sure to follow and share to all your friends because we're trying to become the biggest paranormal podcast out there. By paranormal, we're one of the we're one of the very few. There's a few others, but we're one of the very few paranormal podcasts that tackles it from a biblical perspective and we're like not like i don't know if i describe this as a paranormal podcast but we're like a bible theology podcast that also gets into the paranormal so yes anyway so love you guys thank you guys for listening tune in next week for 
Satan. And now it sounds cool, a little, a little creepy, but we are doing a, a episode where we're going to talk about all the stuff the Bible says about Satan. So make sure to tune in. Yeah, make sure to tune in, guys. All right. I'm going to leave you guys with this scene from the new Nefarious movie. All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye. See ya. Do you think I'm evil, James? Evil isn't a clinical diagnosis. Good and evil are societal constructs, effectively subjective value statements. Do you think my victims thought I was evil? Why is it so important that I think you're evil? Legionum mihin nominest, quia multisumus. Sorry, my um, my Latin's a little rusty. My name is Legion, for we are many. See, James, it's not just about you or Edward, for that matter. It's about everyone. The entire human race. All of us against all of you. Hmm. Well, you know, if that's the case, your side's not doing too well. Do you really believe that, James? Yeah. We've never been freer. Literacy is at an all-time high. We're working to eliminate racism, intolerance, gender inequality. People can, people can love who they want, be who they want, do what they want. Diversity is no longer a dream. Hate speech is no longer tolerated. And politically, we're reclaiming the moral high ground. James, the average high school graduate reads at a sixth grade level. You have basketball players making 30 million a year decrying racism, all while wearing sneakers made from slave labor. Now here's something for you. Right now, your world currently has 40 million slaves. More than the Romans had at the height of their empire. You want to know the best part, though? Half of those, half, are sex slaves, okay? As for hate speech, well, some irony. We didn't even come up with that one. You did it all by yourself. <laughs> Sometimes you amaze even us. I fail to see the humor. Bottom line is you're done. It's over. That's it. And we did it all right to your face, James. And now there's evil everywhere. And no one even cares. Yeah, I don't I don't agree. Proving that we achieved our goal. Slowly, with your movies, your TV, and your media, we desensitized you, redirected your worldview to the point that you can't even recognize evil when it's right in front of your face. More to the point, James, you can't even feel it when you're doing it. And as for winners and losers, whoa, whoa, whoa. That gets decided at the time of death. The exact numbers are closely guarded secret, but there are more of you ending up in my master's house than with the enemy. A lot more, Jimmy.